Hello, and welcome to the Rooted in Reliability podcast, your plant performance podcast, where we dive deeper into asset management techniques and know-how. I'm your host, James Kovacic, and I will be your guide to achieving industry best practice. The Rooted in Reliability podcast is here to provide you with the insights to improve plant performance and deliver bottom line results to your organization. In case you missed the last episode, you can find the Rooted in Reliability podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and on the reliability.fm network. Don't forget to subscribe so you'll never miss an episode. Now let's dive into today's topic. It is my pleasure to welcome Frank Emery and Stuart Ferguson to the podcast. Welcome back, gentlemen. So, Frank, let's start with you. You're most our most recent guest from Fix, and you are the Senior Product Manager for Applied AI at Fix Software. You've been involved with AI and with Fix for a bit of time now. Although super brief, what can you tell us about yourself? Yeah, uh, you know, I've, I've been with Fix about a year and a half now. Um, my background is in big data and applied mathematics. Uh, and I'm just really excited to be working with Fix to build out some of the newest tools that are going to help manufacturing uh, going forward. All right, excellent. And Stuart, past guest of a few episodes, I believe, if I remember correctly, you are the Director of Solutions Engineering at Fixed. Although, once again, super brief, what can you tell us about yourself? Yeah, of course. Um, well, my background's a little different than, than Frank's, a little less, uh, little less big data and math. I'm a little more manufacturing. Uh, my background's in consumer goods manufacturing with, uh, with Procter & Gamble and uh, more recently uh, through the solutions engineering at Fix. And really, you know, I, I help kind of map some of the direction and, and help, help connect our product to our customers and, and vice versa. Um, that's really my, the role I play and excited to be, uh, to be on today. All right. Excellent. Thank you so much. And what we're here to talk about, gentlemen, is AI. All right. More so, how does AI help us forecast the future? And I really want to talk about this because I've heard a lot of different versions of how AI works in maintenance, how it's going to help us, those sorts of things. So I'm interested to see from a company that has a CMMS, how you guys are really leveraging AI to move that forward and how we help our maintenance professionals in the front line. But before we dive into it, I want to make sure everyone understands what AI is. So what is AI? Yeah. You know, at a super basic level, what AI is, is it's an algorithm or a series of algorithms or functions that basically learn and configure themselves based on your past and current behavior. Uh, So what typically happens is algorithms like these get built into applications. And what they do is they make it so that when you're using a piece of software or or a tool, um, what you're doing in that tool um, gets built into how that tool operates going forward. Uh, And that's really all it is. And it's, it's, designed to kind of help you ramp up a lot quicker uh, and not worry so much about some of the nitty-gritty stuff inside your application, um, sort of how it works and how it configures itself. All right, excellent. Now, why should maintenance professionals care about AI? I'll be honest, I've heard a lot about it. I don't know if I've seen good results yet, but I'll be, I haven't spent a lot of time with it. But I think there's also a lot of skeptics out there around it. So why should they care about AI? That's a good question. Um, and I have a bit of a controversial opinion. They shouldn't. Um, they really shouldn't care about AI. And, and I don't mean they shouldn't see the value from the tool. I mean, that's what, that's what we need to be taking care of, um, for them, right? Maintenance professionals need to care about, you know, their department, keeping their equipment running, making sure maintenance is going smoothly. Um, AI is just a tool, 
right? It, this is another tool in the tool belt um, that can help them be more efficient and, and do their jobs better, right? So, you know, really caring about AI and digging into how it works and everything, that's not where the value is. Um, where the value really is, is evaluating, is this tool doing its job? Is it making my life easier? And is it doing what it's supposed to, right? That's, that's the extent of an AI, uh, an AI tool, right? It's just another tool. I really like that approach because I agree that maintenance people, whether they're frontline mechanics, supervisors, managers, they're worried about the assets. If they have to learn another tool or another technology, I don't know if they're going to take it. So I really like that perspective. Now, with AI, and you know, there's a lot of data analysis and maintenance and really that. Will AI cost people their jobs? Will it take away some of that analysis? Or do we require some other things in there to make it truly work? This is, this is a really good question. And, and we get this a shocking amount. Um, and you know what? I, I totally understand it. Um, AI is not, not that well understood because it's, you know, a lot of, a lot of numbers floating around in the cloud. And Frank's really good at that. Um, but AI will not cost people their jobs. Um, I firmly believe that. And the reason I say that is, um, I don't think you talk to any maintenance manager, maintenance professional out there that says, you know what? I got a lot of time on my hands. Right? Oh no, we're we're well above water. I'm not stressed at all. <laughs> that is not the reality of the industry. Um, so another, a tool that's going to make their lives easier and point them to the right problem quicker, uh, that's that's not going to take up a job. That's going to make you better at your job. Right? It's going to give you time to tackle some of those backlog items that you know no one's ever going to finish. Um, the list is is infinite, right? So no, this isn't going to cost people their jobs. Um, what it is going to do is eliminate some downtime, make your job more efficient, and hopefully get you home for dinner. All right. Excellent. Yeah, I have yet to meet a maintenance manager that has extra time on their hands. Um, in, my, in my experience, that doesn't exist. So what makes a well-rounded AI, pro- AI program that is going to allow us to tackle some of these issues, reduce our downtime, that sort of thing? Yeah, you know, what I always tell people is if you come at this and you look at AI as a program to implement, you're probably going to have a bad time. And what I always tell people is instead, figure out what your goal is in your organization and really aim towards that and figure out where AI can make that a little bit easier to achieve. So you talk about assets, for example. If you want to build out a program that's going to improve your asset uptime and availability, that's the program you want to focus about. And you want to figure out what AI tools exist to help you enable that. But trying to define a strategy around just having a piece of technology is kind of putting the cart before the horse. And it's focusing on the wrong things. It's focusing on what sounds cool and what's in the papers, but not what's actually going to get you the end results that you're looking for. Yeah. And I think that's part of the key, right? It's not completely focused on that technology. It's the results we want. What do we want this to do for us? How is it going to help us? But not the technology itself. And I see a lot of people and organizations get so hung up on the technology piece, it never leaves a pilot stage. It's all about that maintenance program, right? You want to talk about an AI program. It's more of an AI tool that's going to support your maintenance program, right? That's how we need to think about it too, right? Helping by, by building this AI and giving you the tools, how can we support your maintenance program, right? With a tool that makes it easier. Absolutely. And that is the key. It's got to be focused on the failure modes that we're experiencing and trying to mitigate those types of things, right? We got to keep, make sure we're thinking about it that way. Now, where does all the data come from for these AI programs? I've seen 
some where you got to install thousands of sensors. I've seen others where it's a combination of sensors and MES data or CMMS data and all these other things. Where's all this data coming from? You know, I'll say for fix, um, it's all coming from your CMMS, uh, which is really handy because um, that's already installed. Um, but really, you kind of nailed it. It's going to be coming from the tools and the systems you have in place. Um, what I always tell folks is uh, before you go and install uh, tons of sensors, see if you have enough data as is. Usually you do. Um, but where that data is going to come from is going to come from the software that you use to manage your processes, uh, to manage your assets. And then if you have that sensor data as well, that's going to be really useful to plug into everything. Um, but yeah, that data is just coming from the tools you use on a day-to-day basis. Uh, and that's kind of the beauty of it. Because as I said, these are algorithms that learn based on how you act and operate. And so what they're going to do is they're going to look at how you've been operating and how you've been using your systems over the past you know, couple of weeks, months, or years. And that's what it's going to look at and, and learn from. All right. Excellent. Now, if we have all those data sources, you know, it's just going to further refine it, make it a little bit better. But we can start with just what we have in the CMMS, right? Usually, yeah. I would say people underestimate the amount and value of data they have on hand. And there's usually enough there to get started. All right. Perfect. Now, one of the challenges that I see in a lot of organizations with CMMSs is, is that the data isn't always accurate or correct. Whether it's asset hierarchy, whether it's work order data, whether it's spare parts data, how do we overcome that? Good question. Um, to be honest, the accuracy of the data um, can be a little suspect and still have a, a good AI tool function. Um, now, granted, you can't have you know garbage data. It has to be it has to be somewhat good, but you know, if you're utilizing a CMMS well enough that you're managing day to day, your you know your maintenance planners know what's going on, your supervisor has an understanding of who's doing what and when, you probably have enough data to get going with an AI tool. Um, always things you can do to build it out, right? Um, you know, populating more fields and getting more granular. Uh, you know, which you know you can help with by getting a mobile app in the hands of the technicians right in front of the equipment, right, so that they're entering right away. But it's all about getting started. Right, and if you have enough data to do your day to day already, chances are we can still use it. Although, I know Frank um, Frank loves talking about data accuracy. So, yeah, and what I'll say to that too is it's going to depend a lot on the tools you're using. So, the AI that we typically work with, um, it's a lot less sensitive to data accuracy. We actually have a bunch of algorithms in place that can find where technicians might be entering in the wrong data, and it'll correct it for them automatically. Um, but different tools are going to have different levels of sensitivity for that, right? So if you look at someone using image data to, to diagnose whether an asset's having a problem, that you're going to need some very high-quality data for versus, say, a tool that lets you know if your technicians are pencil whipping. Or if you have the wrong meter data in there, well, then accuracy is a lot less important because you're looking for different things in that data. And so it really comes down to what's your goal, what are the tools you're using, and then do those tools require a high level accuracy or not? Uh, and fortunately, nowadays, you know, where that accuracy is missing, a lot of the times you can programmatically go in there and fix it for people. All right. Excellent. So it is important, but we can overcome some of those challenges. Obviously, we got to make sure we're working on improving the business processes or data collection mm -hmm. systems we have, but we can overcome some of that in the beginning. Mm -hmm. now, for sure. how, much, how much data do we actually need to do, use an AI model? Is do we is there such a thing as too much? How is there a minimum? How do we make sure we get that right balance? Yeah, you know, there is 
counterintuitively, there is such thing as too much data. Um, I always kind of describe it as you want to have a lot of the right stuff. Um, if you just have a lot of data, but it's not the right kinds of data, then you're just going to end up slowing things down. Our, our servers over at the office will start to get a little bit sweaty. Um, but what you want to have is, is a good amount of high-quality data. Um, and so usually what we tell people is um, if you've been using your system for a couple of months, you probably have enough. Um, more obviously going to get you more accurate models, but more of that stuff that you're already collecting. And a great example is if you're looking at asset data and we say pull in a bunch of your PLC information, and that's the data we're using to train our models. And then in addition to that, you throw in, say, scheduling information for staff. That additional piece of data isn't really going to help us determine whether or not your asset's going to fail or not. It'll just kind of bog down the algorithms. And so in that case, you're giving us a little bit too much data. Um, but if you have tons and tons of just that PLC data, that's going to be really helpful. And so it's going to depend on that source. And again, you know, you probably already have enough if you've been using a piece of software for a couple of months. Okay, excellent. Now, you mentioned pulling in PLC data and, you know, there's all kinds of systems out there. Do we want to use that data to supplement or how do we select which ones we're going to use to supplement? You know, that that's a, a great question. Um, I would say definitely that data is useful if you're trying to determine asset health. So when we look at calculating asset health using machine learning and AI, what we look for is what's called an anomalies or anomalies within your sensor data. And we basically listen to all of the sensor feeds coming off of your assets and we're looking for where those data feeds are really radically different from what we would expect. Um, so that PLC data is, is fantastically useful for us. Um, figuring out the right PLC sensor feeds is really tricky. Um, you know, I've talked to tons of customers who say that they've spent, you know, weeks or months trying to figure out the right sensor feeds to use. Because, uh, yeah, if you pick the wrong ones, you're going to get a lot of noise. Um, what we do is when we train against that data, we actually have some models in place that look for which feeds create too much noise. So there are some statistical algorithms you can put in there that say, hey, if you're ingesting this data feed, is it actually contributing to your model's accuracy? And if it's not, you can just kind of deaden that a little bit. You can mute those data feeds. And that's really the only way that you can figure out which feeds are, are causing problems without getting someone who really, really knows that asset in there to tell you. And, you know, I'll, I'll be honest, when we're working with customers, that's sometimes what we do, is we say, give us the expert for this asset and we'll talk to them and we'll figure out with them which data feeds are going to be really high value. This podcast is brought to you by Iridicio. Be sure to check out iridicio.com for a free copy of their ebook, A Smarter Way of Preventative Maintenance. This ebook will allow you to review your current maintenance program and eliminate the non-value-added work you're doing, which is most likely causing you more downtime than it is preventing. www.iridicio.com. All right, excellent. So we got a way of making sure we're getting the right information in, eliminating some of that noise. Now, we did all this. What are the benefits on the front line or the shop floor is from a supervisor or craftsperson or even maintenance manager standpoint? What are the benefits for them? The benefits for them should be a little more time back in their day. Um, <clears throat> I mean, that's, that's very high level, right? The, the whole goal of an AI tool is to make the life easier of those people, but it's not going to, it's not going to solve the world for you, right? Um, that's not the goal necessarily of, of AI. Um, what it is going to do is help point, you know, those professionals in the right direction. 
Um, there is a reason that, you know, maintenance professionals tend to be incredibly high skill individuals that know their equipment, that know the process, that, that understand. I mean, you have maintenance techs that can walk down a line and smell that something's wrong, right? Um, it's, it's crazy. And, and that, that doesn't get replaced by a tool, but can we give you a tool that can predict where they should be? Or maybe, you know, you have 15 things you could go look at. We're going to suggest that these three are the highest risk. Go take a look there. So we want to help streamline and organize, right? That an AI tool can give some really, really awesome insights. We can flag asset anomalies. Maybe there's something that we think is going to go wrong. You may have a failure coming. That doesn't mean shut down the equipment immediately and do a two-day bearing rebuild. That means send somebody out that understands the equipment, that knows it, take a look at it, add an inspection task to the next window we have, and do a deep dive, right? Go take a look at what the data is telling you. Same with work order anomalies. If we have, if we flag three work orders as, you know, high risk for the upcoming, you know, maintenance window, I'm not saying that, you know, those are the three that are definitely going to be an issue. I'm saying of the 25 work orders in that maintenance window, if you have an extra set of eyes on these three, they might be the ones that have the highest chance of going wrong. So go take a look at those, right? We're not, we're not replacing people. We're trying to guide them in the right way to, to tackle things and, and where to go first. All right. Excellent. So if we're, if, you know, we've been doing certain activities for a long period of time, we know they're on the critical path and we always have issues with them. This may highlight that for us. So we don't forget it or miss it. Those types of things too. Exactly. All right. Perfect. Now, where does one get an AI for their, department for their pro program process, whatever you want to call it. Where do they get that? They have to build it from scratch? You know, I, I'll start by saying I would highly recommend you not build it from scratch. <laughs> we have a team of PhDs over here who, uh, who build them out for us because they get kind of complex. Um, and really what I'd say to this is there's a lot of tools out there. There's a lot of software out there. I would say look for the software that's designed to solve your problem and likely the best-in-class solutions that are out there are going to have AI built into them. And again, this is going to be something where you might sit in a sales meeting and they might say, we're selling you AI. You want to avoid that. You want to see someone who's selling you a product, an outcome. And then again, likely, as I said, they have that AI built right into it. And that's what's really going to crank up its, uh, its quality and its delivery um, as high as it can. So when we're looking then, it's not that we want an AI model. It's we want to improved spare parts levels. So min maxes, we want improved uh, detection of incoming faults, those types of things. We want whatever that deliverable is, that's what we should be asking for, not an AI model. Exactly. And you know what? The higher quality of the outcome of those products, like I said, the more likely they're going to be using AI. Like we have a, an inventory manager here um, and we use AI in it, and AI means that it's probably 50% more accurate than other models that are on the market. Those other models will still get you better run inventory, um, but the AI is going to get even more accurate. And so that's really where you want to see or, or where you're going to find those AIs to implement in your systems. All right. Excellent. Now, we've talked a lot about AIs, whether it's coming from work order data, inventory. What successes have you seen in real applications? Yeah, totally. I, I love this question because I probably spend 10 hours a week talking to customers uh, and we get a lot of great stories coming in. Um, one of my favorites is uh, actually related to the most recent product we put out, which is our work order analysis tool. Um, and what happened was this tool basically flags all of your work orders. It can read them and figure out 
where technicians are kind of going off script a little bit, whether or not a work order uh, is indicating a deeper problem. And one of our users actually, uh, after only two weeks of using this report, found that there was a particular PM um, that their team was never able to finish at night. They keep on skipping the last two steps because they didn't have enough time. And it was actually causing their assets to go down every single month. And when they were looking at an Excel spreadsheet, all they saw was that this one asset was having a lot of problems and they couldn't figure out what was going on. Uh, and this report came out and it surfaced it. It went to the top of the list and it said, hey, this work order right here, we're seeing a lot of problems with this. We're seeing a lot of failures with this. Maybe take a look at it. And they were able to send their reliability engineers in, look at that specific work order and asset and figure out immediately that their PMs weren't set up right and that they were skipping this one last crucial step that was causing their asset to kind of habitually fail. And so they went from having this asset go down every month for the last year to having no more downtime on that asset just because they were able to really precisely pinpoint where that problem was and how to fix it. Uh, and I, I just like, when they told me that story, it made my day. It was like the best example you can get of AI really making someone's job a lot easier. Yeah, absolutely. Now, what would you tell those who are looking to leverage AI in their maintenance department? Where do they get started? Or what are the pitfalls they need to watch out for? Hmm. Yeah, two, two very different questions. I like it. Um, where to get started? Best way to start is to start. Um, chances are some of the tools you're already leveraging um, have AI options. Um, I mean, if you're using Fix, reach out. We're, we'll get you. We'll get you rolling uh, in no time. But if you're really looking to looking to get started, start with something very specific, right? Um, what are you looking at? What's the outcome? Um, it's the same. You know, it, actually, you you and I have had this discussion, James, in the past, right? Um, how to start tracking maintenance with metrics? Um, be specific and start. Um, it's kind of the same idea, right? Have a goal in mind. Have a have an an area that's you know causing you some hurt right now. Um, that's where you really want to start. And when you start leveraging it, make sure it's in consumable amounts of information, right? Um, you don't want to overwhelm your whole team. Make sure what you're going to get out is usable and impactful, right? We, we don't want to create work. We want to make the work that you already have easier to do. Um, so those are the two big flags I'd look for, right? Make sure it's actionable and specific and addressing a problem you really have. All right. I think that's key. We got to make sure we identify that problem. And that's what we got to target. It's not, we want AI. It's what is that problem we're trying to solve? And once we understand that, then we can pick the most appropriate model or partner with the right partner, those types of things to make sure we're solving that issue. Exactly. And I don't see a lot of organizations do that. They say they want AI, but they don't know what problem to solve. Agreed. And if you're not careful, that AI tool that you you know spend a bunch of money on and it's all shiny and new and we want to use it, it's going to point you at problems that you're not trying to solve. Sure, they may be problems, but you might have bigger fish to fry. You might have strategic goals for your company that are completely misaligned to the information that tool is giving you, right? You need your tools to support, you know, your plan. What's your plan and how is this tool going to support it? Yes, absolutely. Now, what is the one thing you think makes the biggest difference in being successful? Is it that identifying the problem? Is it getting buy-in? Is it piloting? What is that thing that makes the difference in being successful? You know, it's interesting. I, I do a lot of research on this. Obviously, in product, I'm always very focused on making sure we have successful products. And what comes up time and time again is 
success comes from really clearly identifying the outcome that you want. Uh, And the reason why that ends up being the biggest indicator of success is if you don't know the outcome, you don't know how to measure success. You don't know how to take a proof of concept over to a broad implementation. You don't know how to improve or iterate on what you've implemented. And so it's really knowing what that outcome is when you set off on these projects is going to determine whether or not you're actually ever going to finish. And a lot of these AI products never do leave a proof of concept for that exact reason is someone will install a fancy piece of software. They won't know where they want to take it. And then when it comes time to assess the efficacy of that product, because it never really had that outcome in mind, there's nothing to baseline it against. All right. Excellent. Great words of wisdom. Understand that outcome. Make sure we clearly define it. Perfect. Now, what is the one action you want our listeners to take away from us talking about AI today? What do you want them to go do, learn, see, so on and so forth? If there's one takeaway, um, don't overcomplicate this one. Um, as, as a wise man once told me, you don't overthink a ham sandwich. Um, AI is not that complicated. It's not this, this thing that nobody understands. It's incredibly hard to use and implement. Um, AI should be very simple. Um, and not for Frank. Frank's got to deal with the hard stuff. He and his team got to build it, but that's, that's his job, right? Um, as the recipient of that, as the customer, this is a very simple thing, right? We need, you need to be getting insights and actions that help you in your day to day. And if you're not, and if this is wildly complicated and, you know, you can't wrap your head around how to use it, that's not a usable tool, right? That's, that's not a good, that's not a good piece to have in your, in your toolkit. Um, and that's, that's AI when it's not working, right? Um, if you have good, solid AI capability, you don't even notice it. It's making your life easier. It's giving you insights and it's pointing you in the right direction. And that's all that, that's all you really need to know and care about, right? Um, we'll get into the nuts and bolts and how it works and what you're looking for and how to make it better. But that really shouldn't fall on you as the end user. So don't overthink this one. Try it. See if it works. See if you can get some good data from it. See if it can help you in your day to day. And if not, you got the wrong tool. Look for another. All right. Excellent. Great words of wisdom. Now, where can people find out more about, you know, both of you guys fix the AI that you guys are using or to learn more about how it's incorporated into fix? Where can they learn about all these great things? I would start with our website. Um, we got a great, you know, a great resource center, um, fixsoftware.com. Look for fix foresight. Um, that's where you're going to want to go look. Um, and you know, we, we got a few different offerings, you know, in the market already. Um, some great parts forecasting information we can help you out with. Um, we have a work order health tool that's going to be able to tell you what work orders, you know, might have been done wrong or that you should go look at or what do you have upcoming that could be high risk. You know, and those two are very, very quick to implement, right? All that data is in your CMMS. You're already doing it day to day. How can we help you move forward? Past that, you know, we can get into asset health. And now that's where you're going to start really getting those anomaly detections, really looking into your assets, your equipment. Um, and that's a little more involved. We're going to start pulling in some PLC data, getting that machine data so that we can make insights on that. Uh, but all that can be found on our website. Head over there. It's the best place to start. Um, or feel free to reach out to Frank or I directly. Um, hit us up on LinkedIn. We're both uh, we're both on there and quite active. Um, that's usually the best way. All right. Excellent. One last question I always like to ask, what are your go-to resources 
on AI? Well, my go-to resource is Frank. <laughs> he's uh, he's the one I go to. But Frank, I don't know. Do you have anything uh, more specific around what uh, what you look at? Uh, honestly, my biggest resource for stuff like this, and I know it's kind of a cheesy answer, is um, our customers. <laughs> I, like I said, I spend a lot of time talking with them about all of these these issues just to understand how AI can be applied to them. Um, you know, there's a lot of books and blogs out there, but nothing beats sitting down with your users and saying, you know, how can I make your life a little bit better? Um, so definitely that that's top of my resource list. Yeah. So given that, feel free to use us as a resource. Reach out. We're more than happy to have a conversation. <laughs> Perfect. I'll send people your way. Well, thank you gentlemen for taking the time today to talk to us about AI. Hopefully this made it a little less intimidating. Uh, some of the pa past times I've talked about AI, people get right into the models, the different mathematics behind it, that type of thing. Hopefully this didn't didn't make it as scary as it sometime made, sometimes is made out to be. So I definitely appreciate that. Of course, anytime we can help uh, simplify something like this, we're always more than willing. It shouldn't be, shouldn't be too complicated. All right. Definitely. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I would like to thank you for listening and remind you that you can always find out more on maintenance, reliability, and asset management at www.iridicio.com and by following our blog. The Rooted in Reliability podcast is a proud member of the Reliability.fm network. I'd like to ask you to please rate and review this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher. It ensures the podcast stays relevant and is easy to find by like-minded professionals. It is only with your ratings and reviews that the Rooted in Reliability podcast can continue to grow. I thank you for providing this small but critical support. We'll see you next week when we dive into another burning topic with Rooted in Reliability, your plant performance podcast.